Welcome back to the Odd Numbers podcast. Today's guest goes by the name of Elijah. You may well know him if you've come across those yellow squares on Instagram, which is a project that came out of lockdown, uh, where he asks questions and provides commentary on a wide range of issues around the music industry. He is also soon to release his own music, um, a full project, he's already released a single from it. And while the Yellow Squares have grown his audience, he's been in the game since his late teens, uh, running club nights and a record label called Butters, and managing a roster of artists, um, including the likes of Flavor D. We spoke about his journey to performing alongside Boy Better Know and Co, a lot of the grime scene, um, how he took on management of Flavor D, the reason behind him releasing his own music, and some of the mistakes he's made along the way. Thanks to Elijah for taking the time um, and to Sus Traparazzi for the music here. For more on what we're up to, please check out at underscore odd numbers. So, so welcome, cheers for coming on, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. As we said before, like I've seen you talk and was fascinated and I think it's just like a really interesting area for us to delve into because you've done a lot already um and you seem to just get busier and busier that's kind of how it appears at least with like you know going out and spreading the messages that you've been working on um so i'll get you to introduce yourself because i think you're probably better at doing that than i would be tell us who you are what you do yeah my name is elijah um i guess by day i like manage artists work on artist projects um, behind the scenes and then my public persona is as uh, like a writer and DJ um, doing a Yellow Squares project on Instagram which is like kind of daily-ish note series about creative production, sustainability, independence, DIY mentality, I guess future thinking, memes, jokes, questions and I've been doing that project for a year and a half um, and that's like kind of like based out of my career in music. Cool. So you say that it's based on your career or music. So I think what what would be smart is for us to start right back at the start. Um, so like, what was your first sort of interaction with music? Like, what sort of stuff were you listening to in the household? Um, do you come from a particularly musical background? Do you know what I mean? Just like yeah, I mean, I'm I'm from East London. I grew up listening to pirate radio, so everything from like reggae, dancehall, then I guess jungle, garage, grime. And then Graham was the music of my teens. So I was 15 in 2003 when Boy in the Corner came out as an example. So that was like, I guess, the music of when I was growing up. And then I got involved in it um, in my late teens um, as a DJ, filming, blogger, like just trying to document what was happening in the local area. And then I went to university and I kind of, I guess, broke my stride in doing that, the beginnings of that. And then when I finished university, I joined Ritz of M, um, started a radio show um, 2008. And um, the artists that I kind of was promoting on that show, we started a label and then the label developed into Knights. The Knights developed into merchandise and all those other kind of ancillary things. Um, and that kind of ran, I guess, 2010 to the beginning of the pandemic. And then I was like, okay, well, we're going to pivot things because the world has changed, life has changed. You're 10 years older yeah, as well, or more than 10 years older. And then now um, the the beginnings of this Yellow Square project is like from when things started opening up and started doing things again, like what makes sense? What of that is useful today? And now that the, prof- the, the stuff that I did has been professionalized, like the DJing and yeah. making a career out of like starting like DIY labels and nights and stuff like people teach that stuff in schools mm-hmm. whereas when I started that wasn't it was a career option yeah it was a more like a vocational choice what was your first so how did you first get into DJing like I'm, I'm interested in how like you made that decision because I think for a lot of young people like doing anything creative does feel like a risk to begin with um, yeah because like in school it might not be the coolest thing to do uh, depending on where you're from and, and I just want to kind of understand that c- tiny bit of the path in. Yeah, the I mean, yeah, I guess there was no risk really. Um, the the barrier really, more than risk was 
just the affordability of like having decks and buying records and all that kind of stuff. But in the beginnings of Grime, the only way to get the music was on vinyl. Mm-hmm. So that was my first entry point into DJing. But I was a fan of DJ culture because I listened to pirate radio. So yeah. I didn't have to learn how to DJ in a way that most people would if you weren't exposed to that culture from you know five, six, seven, eight. Like I was, I was used to hearing mixing. I was used to hearing toasting from. Um, you know, the Jamaican DJ style. I was used to hearing house music. I was used to hearing all this stuff from a child. So when I came to approach it myself, it was like, okay, let me just do something that adds to that lineage and something different with, I guess, the, you know, the difference of being on the internet at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to know if you remember the first album or like, do you remember the first bits of music that you bought or is that too, too far? No, um, like it was, it was just like obvious stuff, like Fuji's, um, Jamiroquai, like whatever, Virtual Insanity or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then like, I guess earlier, like I don't know, ra- random reggae streams, like Shaggy, um, Mr. Bombastic. And you know what I mean? Just like whatever the song was, Buster Rhymes, yeah. like um, Jay-Z, um, random other like R&B songs. It, you know what I mean? Just like f- super obvious things. And then when I could find the music that I could hear on Pirate Radio, yeah. say like ShireFX Original Nutter, when it, was on a white label and it was a, like a normal song or like General Levy Incredible or something. You could get the tape or the CD. Then eventually that I would get that when I if if I had money or if I could afford it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things I, I didn't have. I don't have like I didn't have a massive CD collection or something as a kid because I just didn't have money. Yeah. So I would tape stuff off the radio. That was the highest compliment I could give an artist at that time because yeah. I had no peas. <laughs> what um, when you first went to u- like when you went to uni you said that kind of that was a bit of a break but like what were you what did you go to study what were your choices there yeah so um, I went to university in Hertfordshire University of Hertfordshire studied business because I thought that was just like I was interested in business and I don't know career again this wasn't really thought through yeah um, um, I didn't really know anything about like careers. And I wasn't thinking of creative as being a career at the time. It was just getting a job was the highest priority. Mm-hmm. And then when I came out of university, I wasn't really doing, I was doing the blog, like writing about music and stuff while I was at university, but it was just like a side thing. Coming back to London on the weekends, going to nights like Plastic People Forward, Rinse Nights, Gram things, whatever was, whatever was popping, other, you know, stuff, dance hall, um, garage house, whatever was, whatever was going on the weekend. I used to go out all the time. I guess that's quite, Unusual now because things are cheap, um, all free. So I would, I'd, I'd probably go out every weekend. I would probably went out every weekend for like 10 years, yeah, at least once. And then when did you first meet Skilliam? Like, Skilliam, yeah, yeah it was at, that, that was at university, okay, cool. So we met in 2005, um, and we like I'd say like, I learned really to DJ with Skilliam, so he was already DJing like, a few years ahead of me, and then play, practicing in the bedroom. Um, in my university halls, like I had a deck set up, which again was rare at the time. This was pre CDJs, pre controller, pre virtual DJ. So I had you know vinyl decks set up, um, yeah, and just put in some hours. And then we got a radio show on the like university radio again, more practice. There was access to CDJs, which was rare for that kind of spot at that time. And yeah, then kind of became a duo, DJ duo. Mm-hmm. You're now so, the commentary is like, feels quite broad, but like you obviously started off just doing those nights and, and just doing the radio station and whatnot. Like, can you talk me through that journey to then start to become business minded and be on the business side of things? Just talk me through that that journey. Okay, so this is was always like a, I did things for economic reasons. So at the time I graduated as a credit crunch, I couldn't get a job. Yeah. So creativity was the only access to, you know, getting something off the ground myself. So it was like, okay, well, I could either get a job, like doing something I don't want to do with rubbish pay, Mm -hmm. with no, I guess, career trajectory, or I could double down on the work that I was already doing on rinse and the kind of whatever thing I started. So that's what I decided to do. Um, Once those, once the job options, the doors had closed on me, I was like, okay, I've got no other choice. So, and I could see how I could make it work financially. Like there was the model that dubstep DJs and labels were using. I was like, okay, all I need to do is apply that to Grime and I could have a little runway of making some sort of stable business, I think. 
that's what I thought. And it didn't turn out to be that way, but it was close enough. Yeah. I asked this to a couple of people and I, I think it would be interesting to hear like early on before we before we continue the conversation is is there anything that you think how have you changed as a person from when you entered the industry to now like to uh to better perform at, at your role as a manager like what has what have you had to ad- adapt as far as characteristics are concerned as far as personality um i think just a, a more patient temperament like uh, like now i understand that ideas are not going to just be get get caught at the start or people get it or have to you have to explain yourself a lot yeah. over and over and over again to get across a point even if it seems obvious to you or some some sort of value in something or some talent is you think they're the best thing since last bread and most people won't see it for time and it might take a year two years three years um, and when you're younger a year feels like an eternity or two years feels like an eternity but when you're older a year feels like it's, it's a minor Yeah. so I've got more patient as I've got older and I've got less, like, uh, I guess less, less like, angry <laughs> at, at people's slowness yeah. to, to take on new ideas or to, to think about doing things in different ways. I'm just, mm. I'm just more accepting of how things are and what I can do with that creative constraint. Like, I used to complain a lot. Like, well, clubs are closing or this thing is that. Mm. Like, there's, all the, there's, there's a lot of, there's always a crisis but actually, they're all more creative challenges than just crises alone. The pandemic was a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> You've just properly <laughs> reframed the way that you thought about things because obviously teaching in itself and lecturing is about patience. It's about like understanding that someone isn't getting what you're delivering straight away. Yeah, and um, maybe you don't understand it. Maybe I, some of the things, I was the issue. So... <laughs> <laughs> Getting into therapy territory here, man. Um... Cool. So, who did you first? Who did you first manage? Like, what were the first acts that you that you worked on? So, the first like kind of creative links link ups I had properly was with Royalty and Swindle. Um, so, producer, DJ people that I met, um, super talented people uh, making garage and jazzy grime and like all but in the show. So, I was supporting their music, um, but we didn't have like a management agreement or anything. I was just putting out their records and supporting them create work and building the thing with them together. So I feel like Butters is as much theirs as it was ours. I just started it and wherever it went, it was whatever. And then but yeah. the flav- the first artist I had like a management agreement in place with, with Skillion was with Flavor D. And that was from 2013. So it's 10 years now, worked together. So everything, like the start of her solo journey as an artist is we've all done together. So from her branding, logo, socials, all that stuff we've done from scratch. And what resources did you, because obviously a big part of this podcast is about like helping people that are uh, at the early stages of their careers. Um, but I know this was a little while ago now, um, but what resources did you rely on then? Um, and and now what resources are you recommending to people to come to you for advice? Yeah, so um, with with Flavor in particular, like sh- we we'd already got like a bit of a club network, so we were putting on our own nights up and down the country, some other places in Europe. So it was like plugging it into an audience that was already there. But now, I guess if I was starting from scratch, like I don't have a club network in the same way that I used to. Um, so the first, yeah, the first bits of it was like getting a playing out, being visible, um, and just just not putting pressure on the thing to make money straight away. Yeah. So that was the beginning, like maybe the first two years or something. I was like, okay, I'm not, any money you earn, just keep so you can get on your feet. Like she, she wasn't starting from a place of security in life in general. So it was most important that like, we, we got her going, she got a place to live and there was like a runway of income before we started like commissioning. Yeah. It would have made sense. Um, so that was quite different maybe how a management agreement would start now or how I would start a management agreement today, 10 years later. Yeah. And I had, my, my I wasn't proven at that time either. So I was 25. Uh, yeah, I was 25. I, I, was, I was like, well, this might work and it might not. So mm-hmm. that was also part of my pitch. It's like, I've never done this properly. I've never done this with anyone before. Yeah. But I think I can do it. So the belief on her side for us 
it was like, okay, well, that's my compromise. Well, I mean, one of your squares is about managing expectations, um, yeah. which I think it would be good to, to, to kind of get into. Yeah, it's here. The hardest part of management is managing expectations. That's right. Um, do you want to talk about that? Because I am fascinated by management and, and how the kind of interpersonal aspects of it work, largely managing expectations when you want someone to be really hungry and passionate and ambitious. But also as a manager, if you encourage someone to be too ambitious, too passionate, then really you're setting yourself up to, to let, them, let them down. Do you see what I'm saying there? Um, but yeah, if you want to talk a bit more about that square. Yeah, so um, I guess if you're making, say like niche dance music, most of the time you shouldn't expect to be a pop star or have yeah. pop star results or pop star like outcomes or income. So you have to, to ride that that chance or ride that um, those choices that you're making. Um, so I guess most people don't come in with like, I guess a salary expectation or a lifestyle expectation but you come into music and then there are people that are rich or there are people that are done really well and super successful. So you start just making comparisons. You think, oh, right, like, why can't I, you know, headline a festival? And, you know, with that jump from making tunes in your bedroom to headline a festival, if for some it could take three months. Yeah. So for some it could take 20 years. <laughs> That's the management of expectations there. Mm. And like knowing what you can control versus what you can't. Like a lot of the work I do is like, I work on stuff I can control and then whatever happens, whatever comes to us is like, well. The luck aspect. Yeah. And yeah, creating doors, open, creating and opening doors for yourself for that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Rather than it just being like, oh, I've architected all these situations. I, I don't, I don't gas myself up to believe like <laughs> we've created all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's momentum. And that's, that's hard. Mm. On the interpersonal side of things, like how has how have you found managing co-managing with someone for that? Because you've been in that a long time. Like how do you how do you manage how do you manage managing your relationship? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, um, it's, up, it's, it's it's up and down. I feel like it goes in cycles. Like I spent a lot of time with Flavor D this year because we um, toured Australia and New Zealand across Christmas and New Year's. So I got to speak to her every day for two or nearly three weeks. And that's quite rare, like where you speak to someone, anyone mm-hmm. really for that amount of period of time, apart from like someone that you live with. Um, so, and then I didn't see her again for six weeks and then we spent a week together in America. So you, and I might not spend that much time with her again for the rest of the year. So, but I feel like I've understood where her head is at in 2023 and what she wants to do for the rest of the year to a point where we can get on with things independently and not speak to her every day necessarily. Cool. And then I guess there's where there's moments of like, um, busyness and opportunity and you know so like festival season or something you just you're more like just checking in and make sure sure things are okay but maybe not having as many like i guess deep chats yeah then afterwards like you're probably in review but yeah the personal relationship bit like you're, you're kind of everything you're like a friend a business partner uh you know yeah something else like this other box like you're trying to spot problems like a year in advance or two yeah. years in advance or if do you mean like oh, and then spot opportunities in the same way like you're kind of like their the eyes in the back of their head and it's yeah it's just uh, I don't I don't think you can teach that it's it's so different for every individual as well how open they are as an artist where they live mm-hmm. what their personal situations are are they married do they have kids like how much they can commit like to like the interpersonal relationships yeah you know what I'm saying yeah. It's very, it's very different. And some people have a council outside of their management. Yeah. And I guess how the relationship came about in the first place, because a lot of people, like, they come up with managers who have been their best mate or, or a close friend, and then maybe they get taken on by a management company, maybe they don't, but, like, whether that's that's how you started out. Exactly. Um, versus, you know, going a more traditional route. Yeah, like, I reached out to Flavor D on an email because I heard her tunes, I thought they were good, yeah. and then had to work out whether that would be someone that you would want to work with long term mm-hmm. through very small interactions. I met her the first day when EZ did the Boiler Room in 2012. Just, that was the first day I met her. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to figure out like, that, yeah, does that person with your minor interactions have the temperament for, you know, not success that sounds like, but, but 
you know, yeah, performance and the extremes and highs and lows. And you'll never know. Like, you, you don't yeah. know until, until, you're in it. Yeah, until you're in it. And Too late. Yeah. Cool. But Let's I was lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the music. Quick. Okay. Because you came up in Grime. Yep. Um, and you, so you're working with Jams to put out a project. When When is it coming out? So their project is out on June the 30th. So it's the day before my birthday. Sick. Deliberately. <laughs> Drive some engagement. <laughs> Cheat code. Um, and we made it in February in a week, just via Zoom. I was in Thailand in a Muay Thai camp. He was here in London. We That's did weird a, in itself. Yeah. Um, I texted him on like whatever the Monday. Got started the next day. Started going through the tweets and the squares and like pulling out the key things. Got iPhone notes, um, shared thing going. Yeah. Both wrote some like lyrics or some pointers in to get going. And then within a week, it, the the kind of core seven songs were done. Then he recorded it in one day and then mastered it by Joker and then announced it um, a couple of weeks later. And Which yeah. kind of lines up with your your younger, in your younger days, being annoyed at things being slow because it just seems as though you're in a very efficient, very efficient person. Like that's, you know, what you've just said there is that you've put a project together in a matter of weeks versus yeah. people taking six, six. And it could have been months. faster. If I was here, it would have been done in, I could have done that seven days flat. No, yeah, that's just, that's that was just the creative constraint that I had. But yeah. I could, I could do that again. I could make, I could probably make three albums or four albums this year um, in that process. And what's the motivation there? Because it, is it, is it to, yeah, I mean, what's, what's the reasoning for this? Well, there's a, there's a few things. If I'm saying close out, make the thing, yeah, and not making things mm -hmm. at the same time, then it's what are you? What's your contribution here? What is your art form like? I can, but if I'm like, well, I can give you an example of something that I've made yeah. in 2023. Boom, there you go. Yeah. Or here's a different process. Everyone's approaching albums like they're Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones. I'm gonna approach it like I'm Elijah and Jams, yeah. and do it differently. And an album can be anything you want it to be. So that's again another like reframing what an album actually is. Mm -hmm. And then I still DJ, I still like have an interest in club culture and grime and rap and everything that's going on. So if I'm in a room like doing that stuff, then I have a reason to be there. Like yeah. why are you why are you DJing? Why isn't it just some other person or like another person that is on rinse or on NTS or something? And I can say, Well it's me because I'm doing this project then there's music, and then there's this, and then there's that. So it's, it actually it's makes sense. It's the feedback loop that you spoke about. Recently. The feedback loop, exactly. Mm. And it's fun. Like, like I, you know, I, I actually like music. Yeah. <laughs> I like making stuff. So you take the the the, the, the window dressing off it. Yeah. I like making stuff. Yeah. So I'm making stuff. That's it. Cool. <laughs> Want to talk about some mistakes that you may have made? Um, and I haven't got examples, don't worry. I'm not yeah, that's fine. I can remember um, a list of, of things. I'm, I'm really just interested in like what, what you've learned um, in the management space, and then we can talk about putting out records and DJing as well, but more in the management space. Um, are there any notable fuck-ups that, that you've learned from and, and are now teaching about? Um, I, th I've I think in general, it's like you, I can't get anyone to do anything that they don't want to do. So my pro like instead of come out with strategy and like ideas like I mean I'll come out with ideas but it has to be based on what the artist wants to do like if I put forward um, okay if we do it like this like da 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 da, da with all this like layout and watch this documentary and, and it, it, most of the time it doesn't get internalized mm -hmm. because it's not coming from them organically so I have to what I've had to switch from doing is doing that and maybe getting frustrated to seeing what inspires people and then adding to that, just like, you know, watering the grass, kind yeah. of, so to speak, rather than just dragging people out of their comfort zone. That's like too hard. How do you then apply that to the label setup? Because I feel like there are so many conversations now that are like, most artists want to be independent. Labels still feel as though they can add value. What you've just said there is that the loop has to be label understands what artist wants and then provides that for artist. Mm. But then oftentimes it seems like the artists are going, well, you've done this loads of times before. Why can't you give me the format? 
do you see what I mean? Like, how do you feel that that, that kind of relates to the current label setup and where value is is, is added? Um, I think that everyone's got to know why they're working together and what they're trying to achieve. Like, some people obviously just go to a label to get money and support yeah. and to, to hand off the stuff that they don't like doing. But the, I guess the best label artist relationships are people that are working in the same direction and, and understand, like, the where the value is created or what where value can be created mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's not like that musicians just want to make their tune yeah and they're like yeah you go and find out how to make the money off it i don't, I don't care i yeah, just yeah. want to make my thing and like trying to i guess bring that closer together like or give the artist understanding of like hey like that's all good but if you do this this will make it work for us too and then it'll make us it'll make it easier for us to do work together but generally most artists don't care so that's that's a that's a, that's a difficult thing, and people think that's a compromise, but all of this is a compromise. But pe- compromise in art form is framed as a negative. Yeah. But I'm like, well, we're always compromising, some form or other. What do you see for for the for the future of the record label situation? Because I know I'd like to talk in, in a sec about about the album, EP, whatever rollout format. Mm-hmm. But just for now. How do you, yeah, what do you expect is is to come as far as the label situation when so many artists are, are swearing it off? I just think it's, everything needs to be case by case. Like, I don't, for a not West artists of like, like a, a emerging stage or a smaller level shouldn't be in deals yeah. at all. Yeah. They should just make music independently, um, maybe have a few partners that they regularly work with and then do it things project by project. The in between bits and the hassle and meetings and zooms and all this stuff just waste so much energy. Yeah. Um, it's better as people are able to get on with the stuff like basically do the project when they've got it. Um and yeah, if if there's a more of a collaborative approach in terms of label and artist then so be it. But most of the time I'm I'm finding like the two things are completely disjointed. Like the artist will go and make their record. They don't talk to any label people yeah. until they're gonna show it. And then they're like, this is what I want to release. I'm not changing anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> case by it's case. Not, it's not as collaborative as it, is it kind of in, in the ideal scenario it would be. There's no, there's no ideal. It's just, this is what it is. Mm. Like, yeah. I, I don't try and look at things as ideals. It's like, the only ideals is whether it, it worked or it didn't work. And it can work any way possible. It could work with me just sitting and screaming into a microphone and, and a laptop and that could be the song yeah. and it gets 10 million streams yeah. or it can be an orchestra recorded mm-hmm. at Abbey Road and doesn't matter, not really only matters if it works mm-hmm. I like another one of these which is you don't need a marketing plan you need a strategy you can execute at low cost or free consistently that's flexible, fun and promotes your work um, I mean, when when you say it like that, it seems pretty pretty straight up and, and obvious. But like, can we put a bit more context around that, or at least, are there any examples of where you think an artist has done that really well recently? Yeah. So there's this project, the Yellow Squares, that is free, flexible, yeah. price work. So that's one. <laughs> Valid. I set yeah. you up for that one. Yeah. So, I guess like with social media and all this kind of stuff, it gets into like expense and strategy. And six p.m. we're going to post this and yeah. launch at that time and. Uh, on sale at this time, it's like, okay, is anyone excited here? Is, any, is this even effective? Yeah. Okay, it's got 34 likes. Oh my God, we've got panic now, what are we gonna do? But if we've got methods where there's a bit more flow, a bit more like conversation, rather than just advertising, yeah. drop, excited to release new single, tickets on sale, like you, you could literally copy and paste a caption from most artists and put it on any artist, which is bad. Yeah. Yeah, people are tired of advertising, and so the conversation isn't really there. I think that's where I, I guess we could get into what what people are doing with Discord right now, where it is really conversational. And even your comments, I was look going through your Instagram earlier, like it feels like you're creating a really nice space. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to music, do you think that that space can still be created in comments, or do we need to look at new new platforms like Discord or, or streaming platforms where you've got chat rooms and shit? Um. I just, I just take, I'm just trying to take the world as it is. So, okay, everyone's using Instagram and TikTok and Twitter or whatever it's going to be. And then I'm working in that constraint. I can't, like right now, 
and I have the bandwidth to create platforms yeah. um, or the resources. So all I can do is like, okay, this is what's there. Artists generally don't want to run their own communities. Yeah, That's what I found. Like people started discords and on Twitches and stuff in, in lockdown when they had time and they're sitting down. Now that no one's maintaining it. Yeah. Or they want to find a community manager. It's like, well, once it's not you, it's just it's gonna be harder to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't come natural to most um, creatives. So yeah. I th- sometimes like I'm trying to like even just move away from more like trying to make utopias or something it's like yeah. what it, what is it and what how can you work in that creative constraint um, to the best of your ability unless you're willing to build the thing which most of us aren't no that's true yeah when you talk a bit about balance it, it's, it, it's a topic that I've, I've spoken to a lot of people about because it's definitely the, you know the music industry is pretty notorious and not having mm-hmm. balance work-life balance um boundary setting all of these like things that that kind of um more generally we'd we'd aspire uh, to have you do loads of shit how are you how are you coping with doing loads of shit and and, and have you got any habits or routines that you that you rely on to keep your head straight yeah i guess like there's i don't look at things as work-life balance because I'm just work, I'm just living and working at the same time. There isn't like this, I've never worked a nine to five in that way. So yeah. I can't say, well, I have a real comparison. I've always, like you said, I've always done loads of things and it's not, I'm doing loads of things for the sake of it. It's just what's needed to be done to get the things done. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I do. So it's, uh, it's not, I'm not doing this out of like fashion or something. Yeah, I'm excited by the work and I like doing it, but it's not, to just do it for the sake of it. If I could do less and get the same result, maybe I'd do a bit less and uh, do something else. But this is just what needs to be done to operate at a level I'm, I'm at. Yeah, but you, you're you still involved in setting the goal that, that necessitates the work for you to operate. Do you know what I mean? Like you're... Mm-hmm. You yeah, could, I don't... I don't do, basically, do I, less. What, what I'm saying is I don't have a perfect system like I guess just now I just I, w- I had a break for for periods of of a few weeks here and there done something else, um, but in that time I made an album. So I guess I've always got creative thoughts yeah. going and creative ideas. Um, and again, like this is not like I'm not I'm not trying to find the balance even. Like this is some of this is extreme sport. Some of this is like okay, I'm going to drop on my head, and but that's part of like the process in itself. Yeah. If 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 you're trying to operate a, a creative venture like a like a for for an artist at least like a nine to five, then you then maybe you can make that work. I just don't know anyone that works like that. Um, so so would you not say that you've experienced burnout? Do you do you usually make sure that you're doing, for example, a mai tai camp or something like that, mm. or or that you're like taking three days of not going in a phone is there anything like that that you do as preventative it sounds okay like, yeah you know what i'm saying it's like unless you are one in a billion and, and no. don't experience the stresses of of people you know belling your fucking phone too often and and stuff like that like yeah how um, do you maintain as one yeah okay um yeah just i just I mean, it's not. It's not. It's, 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 no, it's no, 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 no. It's it's not. It's not as straightforward as that. Maybe I've just got. There's some bits of me that's got the temperament to like withstand that. But then, okay, like I try to eat healthy, drink a lot of water. Yeah. Um, I don't reply with the first thing in the head most of the time, even though sometimes it looks like that. Um, and like I said, I'm not. There's the, there isn't like a versus like I don't I don't I'm not tr- I'm not trying to find the balance. It's like the strength to endure is more important than the uh, trying to find like you know like people like working towards retirement at forty or something. Yeah. So I'm not working like that. So I'm not thinking about an out here. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, I'm going through with a sword, not a shield. But that obviously it will have its limits. Yeah, and I pull back. But there isn't like a necessary system in place. Or at least a system that I've I could explain to someone else and say you should try this. Yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that. There's 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 definitely better people for that. And 
ever, all these things are so highly individual mm-hmm. um, that I, yeah, I wouldn't be a good answer. A lot of what's come up in, in previous conversations is, is about mentorship. Um, and do you find, so what I feel like what you're doing is almost mentoring from afar and that you're like sparking conversations and, and providing a space to have those conversations. Um, but have you had mentorship in your life and have you mentored others? Like, ha- have you had those relationships and can you tell me a bit about about them? Yeah, I got one of the squares is like none of my mentors know they've been my mentor. Right. And you just like, again, have an opportunity to be observant, uh, interesting people, maybe have conversations and take from them without realizing that it's uh, like been really helpful. Mm-hmm. That's people at all different levels. Um, I find I find like, um, speaking to young people more useful actually than not just old people but like people that have maybe had a level of success yeah. already and are operating from a position of comfort um, or a bit more comfort than say like a 19 year old or 20 year old or someone that's trying to figure out um, and I guess this project is like a, yeah like you said public mentoring a lot of the work is in the DMs a lot of the work is when I'm asking the questions at these lecturers mm-hmm. um and I'm figuring out useful answers that no one else will give. So, you know, like if someone asked me at a, one of these lectures, oh, you know, what's a good idea for marketing a song? Like, I I wouldn't give an answer that is, you could Google or yeah. chat GPT. Yeah. So that is like the, f- the, the process and the thought about that for, has, has been really helpful. And it's helped me ask better questions of young people or people that ask me questions. What do you think is the most common uh, thing that you you are asked? Is, is there a particular theme? Yeah, it's it is trying to find an an ability to make whatever you want to make, not promote it. Yeah. Um, live a above standard of living in one of the world's most expensive cities. Yeah. That is the question that people are asking me every day. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that. So. Yeah, I think it's a shame that we don't um, celebrate like just making a living from making art enough. Like it does feel like there's this, you know, I, I, I don't I don't think it's like outright greed. I think it's just the fact that there are so many partners in the the kind of music relationship that everyone, if everyone wants to make a living, then usually that does mean that someone has to make a lot of you know massively. Uh, out earn everyone else. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, I kind of guess it's a bit of a bit of a shame there. Well, it's like looking at careers and money a bit more dynamically. I guess people are like, okay, I'm making drum and bass, for example. How do I make that one thing, one element of my creativity, one genre, one style, all of my income? Mm-hmm. Which most businesses don't function like that. Yeah, most businesses are. You know what I mean? have to diversify somewhat. Well, although they're just more dynamic. It's not necessarily diversified. Like, the, my career is not necessarily diversified either, but there is there is a few different streams happening at once. But I guess the public-facing bit of it is, I guess, records and raves. Yeah. But then, if you think of records, is there's two streams, right? Publishing and, the you know, the royalty side. And then raves, there's, like, tickets and then merch. Or you have, like... Um, like the other squares is like the lectures and then consultancy or whatever it is, you know, and merchandise. There's, there's, there's like maybe there's like seven streams there, but to the public it only appears as one. You know yeah. Or like DJing, for example, people think you, you you get booked to DJ for an hour set for a fee, when actually the what you're getting paid for is to sell tickets. And you know those people in the in the venue to buy drinks yeah that's what you're getting paid for they, again they don't care if you're playing screams yeah drum and bass house music it, it doesn't matter as long as people are buying their vodka red bulls exactly um what another of your squares sorry this is just no it's fine i'm doing tour de square um when you don't know say you don't know that's not actually the most common advice that's given right they're definitely like this fake it till we make it like um this like confidence game thing that goes on can we chat about that a bit like how do you nurture confidence in yourself while also being upfront about needing support um well i'm like a lot of these things i'm trying at the same time as talking about them okay yeah so 
the reason that I feel confident talking about whatever Web3 is because I try and experiment with it. I'm not like surface looking at it and maybe copying someone's tweets or whatever it is or, or reading about stuff. Obviously, reading is important, but I'm actually actioning projects in the space so I can, I can talk about it. What's that saying? Competence breeds confidence, isn't it? Like, if you just get on... I yeah, and I think most of the things I'm not even good at as well. It's just not. It's not even about being good at them. It's just like even just base level understanding of how something works. If you can't program it, you don't understand it. Type of thinking, right? Yeah. And with saying you don't know, that was more like in reference to people asking you questions about, I guess, bigger stuff. Um, like, oh yeah, how can I build a career in in the art sphere? What is the future of this? And it's yeah. like I don't know. I could give you an answer, but I don't know. Yeah. And that's what I meant by that. But it can apply in loads of different circumstances. And I see people feel like they have to answer or have an answer for everything. And actually it's easier to give yourself an approach things with an open mind and say, I don't know. But so there could be a thousand answers. Yeah. That's good. Like that's easier it's an easier like way to read the room. When I do the lectures, it's like um uh, like one of the squares is like there can be more DJs or something. And people are like, no, no, there's too many DJs. I'm like, well, there can be more because there's a, there's infinite ideas here that you can pursue. And then people say, well, give me 10. I'm like, well, that's for you to pursue. It's not for me. I've got my <laughs> idea. <I'm rolling> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to you a bit about music quick. Yeah, it is sure. It is. It's, that's the exciting part of what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the most memorable gig as far as like that you've played yourself um, and what was exciting about it or what was different about it um i've been part of a few like i guess on both sides where um so like the raves i put on like i did like on the butter's third birthday had like jamie and skepta come like as surprise guests on a set with swindle and joker like, i just just remember that being like another turning point in like making a career out of this thing and something that would be memorable for a long time for that was 10 years ago last month and it's just like the the sets online on video and audio and at that time there wasn't a lot of live sets from clubs recorded so it's like a bit of history there just at like a nice little point um i got to be part of like yeah like when the the culture clash um shows happened in, in london um just remember being there and feeling okay this is another step change in the scene like being able to see London perform to like 20,000 people when five years prior we were even like people were banning the raves mm. and Form 696 would yeah. stop the events and made it really difficult to do anything and then it was like damn this is really happening like seeing yeah the songs on stage and everyone going off to it it wasn't like you just performing to 20,000 people it's like 20,000 people were there for that and it felt like another level up and then um yeah, just seeing that growth, like it, like from the old blue last to the O two, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that Mad. that scale in whatever it was. I guess it was just over a decade, mm-hmm. um, with the ups and downs in between. That's been like a nice thing to be part of. What are you excited about in Guam right now? Are there any like are there any young Guam MCs that you're kind of excited about right now? No, I I don't I I just I don't break up scenes in that way anymore. Because everyone is a bit more fluid, like people are doing all different different music. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not sure how many young artists even identify as a gram MC. They'll make some, the music sometimes alongside their drill, alongside yeah, yeah. their yeah. whatever their rap variant, whatever the thing is of the day. So I'm not. It's not as a uh, boxed in. Like let's the, let's open it up then. What say? Could you give me five artists that you're like excited about right now? Um, yeah, Jim Legacy, mm-hmm. Venom, Grove. Um, Sharice Hagen, um, Leon Wire, um, loads. I mean, keep going. Um, that's a good place to start, right? How many of that was that? Was that was that six? I wasn't counting, but okay, it was enough for sure. Um, and then what about? So you've just been on your travels. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell us some highlights of that? And like, was there any were there any musical discoveries that you that you made while you were in Brazil, for example? Yeah, so I went to Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, Brazil, 
Jamaica, America, and Japan. But I guess the standout was like Rio Carnival, first time in Brazil, Sick. just experiencing like the intensity of that place. Um, school got to see like artists that we've worked with play like their show, like Brazilian grime, grime music. Um, yeah, it was surreal. Like probably like I think it's like a thousand people or something in the venue. Um, hearing the tunes that I was listening to through lockdown, yeah. and just seeing like a live response. Like I just liked the music, not knowing like the scale of what it was or could be. Um, we and we released their record in in Europe and vinyl here, and it was in yeah it was in it was in a dark period of time like lockdown everything was closed. There was no like guarantee would come out and there would be anything really. Yeah. So it was nice to see like it's paid off for them. Um, and then yeah, I went to like South by Southwest. Um, who else? See, like, see, like Bella, um, like a R&B artist. Thought she was wicked. Um, and then, yeah, just I'm uh, like I consume like a lot of a lot of stuff. Um, so it's not as it's not as like there's geograph geographically bound. Yeah. As 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 maybe it would have been like five years ago. Because you go to Vietnam and they're playing the same music that I, would, that I was hearing in Australia or in England. Mm-hmm. Like in the club, they were playing drum bass and grime and garage and like stuff from Conductor's label, Kiwi, yeah. or Sammy Virgie or Notion or whatever it's going to be. So it, it's not as like, you know, you go somewhere and you, you're comp- you don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. I know a lot of people that work in music then go home and, and they almost find solace in not listening to tunes or to like listening to podcasts or listening to silence. You know, do you, uh, do you ever find that? Do you, how do you switch off? Um, what's like your meditative situation? Is it silence? Is it, is it? Yeah, I listen to podcasts a lot. I don't, what I don't do, I don't listen to music passively. Yeah. I'm either listening to it or that's I'm not it. listening to it. That's it, because I think that's really rare. I'm, I'm bad with that. Like I listen constantly, but like, yeah switch my switch over and be like right now i'm listening properly which is probably not a healthy way of yeah doing so it. i could have it on while i'm working or something yeah but i know what i'm listening to mm-hmm. and why i'm listening to it so if i put something like I, I will put something on yeah rather than just have something on which i think is a different mm-hmm. framing or if i'm listening to like music in the gym or while i'm walking then it's not to tune out of where i'm at it's yeah. to to be in sync with where i'm at yeah which I guess is where the format has changed so much. Like some someone was saying, how TikTok's like a you know TikTok's a bit of a radio station because um, you're just you know flicking through and it's like a very different way of experiencing music. Um, well, you, the intention, yeah, exactly. So it's intentional. Yeah, you have to so so yeah. There's there's all decisions, and I, that's what I try and do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not obviously part of my consumption is dictated by what I'm being served, yeah. which is fine. But again, I make space for that. So like YouTube is the primary platform I listen to music on, which is unusual. That is weird, yeah. Yeah. Why? What's good? What's good about it for you? Because I listen to stuff through my, my in my living room. The TV is the is the main media output, and then I have obviously you have the visual, and I listen to a lot of like concerts, live sets, DJ stuff, whatever it's gonna be, and then like my I guess my co- my content consumption is all in one place, like podcasts, concerts, albums, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and you just, I guess the discovery, like you discover like bootlegs and remixes and different takes on stuff, documentaries, it's all connected. So if I search whatever, Black Sabbath documentary, yeah. then the thing is gonna serve me music around that that I wouldn't have discovered otherwise. Whereas there's no documentaries on the DSPs. That's true. Not yet. They'll they'll try soon. I mean, they're already already doing that. There's loads of bits and bobs now that they've just started doing on Spotify, but I haven't. It's not working for me yet. Do you know? What I mean? Yeah. I'm not enjoying that. Yet. There's like difference, like in the I guess the stuff that's produced for a DSP versus yeah. like the say like stuff that would have been on DVD. Yeah, or DVD or yeah. TV or something. And I love watching stuff out of sync of time. Yeah. So I don't really listen to albums as they come out. I don't watch. I don't watch films. I don't really watch any television. Um, so I, so I guess I watch things, just with the, just as the thing by itself. No other commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess which is, I guess, unusual as well. Cool. Let's do um, a little bit of quick fire. 
So I'll start with what do you picture for your retirement? There is no retirement. Mic drop, nothing. No. Okay. Do you would you okay, would you like to stay in the UK then or, or, or like, you know, what do you what do you picture okay, let's say what do you picture for your the final fifteen years of your life? Will you still be working? That could be now. Facts to be fair, yeah, true. Let's not think about it. <laughs> would you rather have a chauffeur, a cleaner or a chef? Chef. If you could move anywhere in the world tomorrow, where would you move to? Kind of pertinent considering you just got back from travelling. Um, if I ch- if I change location, I would change job, so it would be like it wouldn't be a change of living; it would yeah. be a change of life. Life. Yeah. Um, so I'll just do something. I don't know Jamaica because it's just be completely different. Cool. Uh, what are your favorite five songs at the moment? I don't have any favorites or anything. Just, just I don't need to. Just, yeah, just cool. I don't rank art. Now cool. it's easy. It's easy to like just enjoy things of what they are and not like have any yeah, no favorites. Yeah. It's just like a different okay, way. Okay, well, enjoying. how do you your music discovery apart from the YouTube and shit? Like, do you send and receive tunes all the time? Like, how how do you? Yeah, so um, yeah, I'll send people send me like the YouTube links or Spotify yeah. links, whatever it's gonna be, um, or like yeah, I'll see something or see people talk about something and I'll when it Check pops it. up in my universe, yeah. then I'll be like, okay, that's something I need to listen to. Um, or like, if you see someone's name attached to, like, say like, Venom was like, for me, it was like, okay, we'll see his name. Let me, and then he's got his own music. So I was like, okay, let me see what that's saying. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you start going down the rabbit hole. Um, but I don't, yeah, I try not to have I like favourites. I like that. Yeah. Um, if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, famous or not, who would it be? Um, um, my brain's not good with hypotheticals. Um, From past, yeah, it's past. Cool. Um, what's your screen time? So you chat about screen time, yeah. What's your screen time? Um, screen time uh, during travels is terrible. So I've been traveling in the last few months. Okay. Could you check um, it now? What's your screen time for the last no. couple of days? Refuse. <laughs> <laughs> pass. Pass. Uh, okay. Well, you're not going to like this one either. Yeah. If you could do a U2 and put one album on everyone's iPhone, what would it be? Um. One album that everyone's iPhone. Mm. Songs in the Key of Life, maybe. Cool. Just like it. It's, it's long. You have to kind of commit to it. Sweet. Well, mate, thanks so much. It's been good. Appreciate you taking <laughs> yeah, time. It's all good. Serious. Cheers, right, man. Big up, man. Thank you to Elijah for coming on. And thanks to you for listening. Please check out our Instagram, which is at underscore odd numbers for more on what the team is getting up to Uh, there's lots of stuff outside of this podcast which is pretty exciting so um, yeah do check it out